So uh, some of you may have seen Sundar and his colleagues' presentation at Google I.O. a couple weeks ago. I did the whole thing so that we have did. a lot to talk about. <laughs> I know. Thank you so much. I didn't have to do anything to prepare for this. <laughs> just watched Google I.O. Uh, but uh, I, you know, to me, the big theme that you personally set out, and you introduced a bunch of products, but there was a theme running through it, and, and that was uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning. And I think I heard you say, this is the next 10 years. This is the, you, you know, you didn't exactly say it this way, but I did when I was writing about it, that, you know, we've had smartphone, the, the smartphone has sort of, been almost like a black hole. There's nothing bad about it, and it's certainly not dead, but a lot of the developer energy, a lot of the uh, hardware maker's energy, everything has been poured into the smartphone market since around 2007. And now, as you can see from Mary's slides, it's kind of maturing, uh, and we're on to uh, AI. Is that how you see it? You know, I think you know, it's a pretty good summary. I mean, for us, um, you know, we definitely see a huge opportunity. Uh, we see it as an inflection point. We started feeling it about three to four years ago when uh, what we call as deep neural nets, you know, when we used it for voice recognition or, uh, you know, uh, computer vision. Uh, you know, we just, translation, we just saw significant step changes, right? Uh, we've been working on these things for a long, long time. You know, even very, very early on, you know, we obviously, you know, use training algorithms all the time. Uh, but the actual uh, way in which machine learning can actually, you know, do a much better job in many, many specific instances, that's been much more recent for us. So about maybe three to four years ago, we felt we were at an inflection point and, you know, so we, it was a big shift internally. And so we've been focused ever since in terms of how do we bring all of that thoughtfully outside. And uh, I think the opportunity to do it, mobile gives a great platform, great way to do it. Uh, you know, it's a very different paradigm. People use it all the time. They use it when they are on the go. And so the bar is much higher. People expect you to help them instantly. So that's an inflection point. And in a no noisy environment. So. Uh, yeah, there you go. Um, I, I thought you almost, well, I said this, so I better own it. I said that you sort of had a declaration of war, I thought. You not only said, and, and you did qualify. You did say it's very early days, mm -hmm. and it will take a long time. Mm -hmm. and, and Jeff Bezos said something very similar. I think he said it was the, I said, is it the first inning? And he said, oh, it may be the first guy at bat. It's that early. But, so you said that, but you did say, it's AI, and we at Google can do it better than anyone else. Now, Apple has Siri, Microsoft has Cortana, Microsoft has bots, Facebook has, uh, you know, intelligent uh, machine learning bots that it's doing. Uh, obviously, Amazon has its Alexa platform. Why is Google going to be able to do this better? You know. Um First of all, we've been doing it for a lot longer. Uh, so when I look at the scale at which we do it today, uh, either in terms of the raw computational power we apply to it, um, how many years we've been doing it, or if you benchmark it in terms of any quality metrics. So if you take, uh, you know, if you take, for example, any kind of conversational, uh, you know, conversations you have with Google, 
our ability to answer uh, questions at scale globally, uh, in depth. For example, the ability to have a follow-on conversation. Right. Those are the areas where the difference really shows through. So we've been doing this for a long time. And you know, for me, people have been asking questions to Google for a long time. And with voice, you know, we, we saw the trend too. And today, I do think we've taken an order of magnitude higher number of queries compared to anyone else. And so it's both in terms of the usage today and the scale at which we do it. So, you, so you're, uh, you're, are you willing to say you're better than Apple? You're better than Amazon? You're better than Microsoft? And you're better than Facebook? <laughs> at this, uh, at this. Uh, and, right and, you know, I, first of all, these are phenomenal companies. Uh, yes, you know. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And, uh, you're, you're a good guy. You're not say that we're not. I know, and, but. you know, this is more like, it's not like Game of Thrones. It's more like the NBA championships or something like that. I, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of think it's Westeros. It's I really Westeros. think it's Westeros. We are trying to bring... I mean, I think that map of Westeros at the beginning of Game of Thrones is not unlike the one at the beginning of Silicon Valley. Well, <laughs> I think of it more like we are all bringing electricity to Westeros, not uh, necessarily try to kill each other. Uh, you know, ho hopefully not. There are no lives at stake. Uh, but, you know, the point is well taken. Uh, you know, I, I think when it comes to machine learning and AI, the ability to bring that in a meaningful way to users, uh, you know, I do think, uh, you know, um, pretty... Uh, pretty proud of what we've accomplished, and it is still early days for all of us. And you know, uh, we do a variety of benchmarking studies, so we generally feel we are ahead. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, are screens dead? Um, I mean, if we're going to do this by voice, do we need screens? Um, you know, in some cases, yes. So, for example, um, you know, today, you know, when people get into their car, you know, people do talk to their cars, yeah. and you know, but the screen is convenient as well. You know, you would stop thinking about it as. I mean, I think we are in the phase of transitioning from uh, computing being these physical devices and screens and how you think about them to you just expecting them to be there ambiently in context and just working for you. And I think that's a, that's a transition that's happening and that's exciting. Um, you know, screens aren't that expensive per se, right? You know, you take a really nice house and look at the amount it costs to put glass there versus, you know, actually putting screens, you know, or the cost could actually make sense. So screens in itself aren't that expensive. So wherever it makes sense and you need it to work for users, I think it'll get there. So I think of it much more as computing being available to assist you throughout whatever you're doing. So that's the way I think. So it's it. more like Captain Picard. Something. He's standing in front of a giant screen, but he ignores it. And he just says, computer, where's so-and-so? Or to give me such and such. Yeah, you know, I, I think things like that, you know, are happening, uh, you know, even today. You know, for example, when we put, uh, you know, in, in cars which have Android Auto, you know, people actually speak to us very naturally. It surprises us sometimes. So, for example, all of us figure out how to call mom, right? And, like, you know, we say that, but people say, call my sweetie. Like, they say that in the car, like, and then we have to figure it out. We, today we don't do that well. But these are the kinds of things. When I say that, do you, is the first thing, I know that, if I say call my wife, 
most of these systems will say the very first time, well, who is your wife? Yeah. And then they'll remember it. That's right. Yeah. We hope they'll remember it. My sweetie could be various things. So <laughs> what, what, how do you work that out? It could be a daughter, a daughter for example. And my lovely daughter, yeah, my granddaughter, whatever. Uh, uh, you know, and uh, I mean, this is, you know, I think part of it is, you know, when we talk about, this is why I talk about it as early yeah. days, understanding context is very, very hard, right? And I think as humans, we do a very, very good job of it. And, you know, computers are very, very good at certain things. But what's changing, and this is why a lot of us who work in this field are very excited in the last uh, two to three years, is we now believe we can start doing the kinds of things which are much more intelligent and you know, understanding context, understanding the situation, being able to understand who's asking it, what's appropriate, are there others listening to it? These are all important things, and I think comput computing is just beginning to address those things. So I remember, uh, you know, I come and see you and I see other folks at Google uh, I don't know, once or twice a year. And, and a couple of years ago, I think it was, I went, and, and, and I think I met with you, but I also met with like your, your, your voice team in Google Now. You never really did a good job of branding the voice piece of Google Now, if you don't mind me saying so. And it just wasn't sort of a, it wasn't like there was a thing called Siri, there later was a thing called, you know, Cortana, but you didn't kind of have a name for it. You had a name for Google Now, but. Yeah the voice and kind of conversation piece of it wasn't? Part of it is, you know, for us, you know, we've thought of this as, you know, this, this should be different for each user. So in some ways, you know, our vision of this is, we, we think of this as building each user their own individual Google. And, uh, you know, I think how we answer and respond to a, I don't know, 10 year old living in Indonesia versus like you asking a question, I think, you know, it's not, uh, you know, not yet fully convinced it's, one personality which works in all those situations. So we want this to be user-centric, and I think part of building a smarter system over time is to be able to understand uh, users and be that assistant for them, be that friend for them, and I think it's gonna take us time to figure this out. So part of so it- That's why you're not separately branding it, because you want it to be kind of a, uh, an architecture that runs through we, a lot of We things. think this will evolve over time, and it'll grow, it'll evolve, and there are many ways to approach it. Uh, you know, I think you know, we, we just don't want to constrain ourselves in any single way at uh, such an early stage. And so we want to kind of see how it goes. We want to iterate our way through this. So your voice folks at the time I was there a couple of years ago said to me, this is what, this, we've been working on this idea of remembering the state of the conversation. So you don't have to, so you can ask a follow-up question like a human does. Yeah and not have to repeat mm -hmm. the, the domain you were talking about. And the example they used was, how many sheep are there in New Zealand? Right, You've, I'm sure you know this because they- You just talked about it in your podcast. That's yeah, right. I did. <laughs> and they said, and, and Google uh, came back with an answer, I don't remember what it was, 40 million sheep or something. And, and, then, and then the next question was, and who's the, who's the prime minister? Mm -hmm. And you didn't have to say the prime minister of New Zealand because it's sort of new. Um, is that something, is that just one, you, you did that for that sheep in New Zealand question and maybe a couple of others, or are you, is, is that gonna happen, is I mean, that kind is, of thing everywhere? I mean, we call this, inter I mean, this is natural language processing and you know. I'm yeah, but everybody calls their thing natural yeah, No, no, I'm saying the field is called natural language processing, not Google's. 
And so this is how well you can do that, you know, your ability to you know, understand pronouns and, you know, and this follow through, it's, you know, the sheep is one example, but there are you know, many cases you can come back, you could have asked about movies and the next day you can come back and say, hey, I want to get four tickets to those movies. And like, you know, we want to be able to understand that, pick it up. Oh, the whole, you remember over a whole day. No, but I mean, those are the things we aspire to be able to do. Oh, so, aspire. Uh, yeah. And so, you know, uh, you know that, and that's the deep work ahead. You know, for, for me, an intelligent assistant should have true conversational understanding, right? So that you can have an ongoing two-way dialogue. And, uh, you know, and that's a hard thing to do. And the way you and I are talking, we, we're picking up on conversations we've had before. And, you know, and, and, and I think we have long ways to go to get there. But, you know, that's, that's the exciting part of it. I know, but I want you to, you to come when we next invite you. And don't send, <laughs> don't send that Google Home box oh, yeah. well, to interview. But, I will be here. Um, is this also, are you kind of doing your own cannibalization of Google search as we have long understood it uh, by doing this rather than letting somebody else cannibalize it? Uh, it's a good, it's a, it's, a, it's a natural evolution of it. Uh, you know, the line is very fluid in terms of today people do come to Google and ask these kinds of things. I mean, they type them still mostly. They type them uh, on our, you know, uh, on our Android phones, you know, on the Google app on the Android phones, one in five queries are voice in the U.S. now, right? Right, and but that, four and five are still typed. Yeah, but the number is growing, right? And okay. today there are, you know, still, you know, if you, if you use voice, there are a lot of things you can reliably assume It'll pick it up and answer. And but the thing from- is, they're doing these searches not just on Android phones. They're doing them on Windows. They're doing them on Mac. They're doing them on iPhones. They're doing, you know, yeah. they're doing them everywhere. Google searches. Yeah, of course. So, but some people thought, think that if these other uh, AI uh, assistants that are out there from your other companies are have the possibility of eating into your search dominance. So I'm, I guess what I'm wondering is, are you saying, okay, something's going to replace this, or, and we, we want to be the ones that do it? Yeah, we, you know, we definitely, to me, it's a bit like how you, know, you have PC to mobile transitions of computing. It's still computers, the way you, know, you followed the advent of the PC industry, and you know, at some point it transitioned to smartphones. Uh, you still see a bunch of people using PCs here, and so it's a combination of the two now. But computing overall expanded, right? And you know, we see it the same way. People's need for information, you know, we see it expanding, uh, you know, at a pretty, uh, pretty phenomenal rate. And so people come at it many, many different ways, and we want to be able to do it for them. So it's a natural evolution. I think there's a lot of growth ahead, so I don't necessarily see it as a zero-sum game yet, but it's an important inflection point, or at least the way we see it. What makes you think you can do this Google uh, Home hardware product better than Amazon has done Echo? You just heard Kara say she has a lovely relationship with Alexa. <laughs> How are you going to break that? How are you going to get, get her off that? Uh, you know, p- uh, part of it is, uh, you know, I think, you know, the con- uh, you know, in the next five to ten years, Building the uh, true conversational understanding and being able to uh, have the dialogue, I think, is where we plan to differentiate. Uh, the hardware is just a manifestation of that. We want to help people use that to get things done. And so there's a lot of work ahead. I think either be it Amazon or anyone else, us, we are at the one-person stage of what we can do here in this space. And uh, you know, I think, you know, so I just feel it's very early days when I go back and look at things like, you know, Google Maps wasn't the first Maps product to launch. Gmail wasn't the first email product to launch. Search itself, 
you know, wasn't the first search product to come. So I think you, know, you take a very long-term view and you invest and you bring your strengths to it. For us, you know, if you distill down, Google does a lot of things, but if you peel away everything and you distill, distill it, this is, this is the heart of what we do. It's, it's yeah. what, what we are about. Uh, privacy. Uh, there are people who feel a little creeped out about having an Amazon device listening all the time in their house. Aren't they going to feel really creeped out about having a Google device listening all the time? Uh, you know, um, you know t today, every time we do important things, uh, you know, people ask us this question all the time, you know, users. So take photos, for example, right? You know, we did come last year. Our premise was that we could store all your photos and search and organize it for you, your lifetime's worth of photos, right? Users adopted phenomenally well. We searched through them and, and, and so on. So for me, you know, the, the, the onus is, the bar is on us to give enough value that people trust us. Privacy is something we will actually, I think all the machine learning and the AI work we do will help us do privacy better too. A lot of times today it's hard to do privacies because we rely on like, you know, a lot of manual heuristics and as to how to go give you settings and controls to do these things. And we're doing that better today. You know, very soon you'll be able to come and just say your name to Google and we pop up your My Account settings and you can control all that. You know, about a billion people have go through these settings just in the last year alone. But you know, over time we want to do even better. You should be able to tell Google, hey, maybe the last four hours, you know, just take that off and go off the record. And you know, maybe we are able to do those kinds of things. We did that when we built Chrome. You could use Chrome any way you want. You can you know, switch to incognito mode if you want to. You know, we are doing it the same with our messaging product. So we give users choice and, you know, at, you know, over time I think we can get smarter at giving users sophisticated privacy controls, right? So, you know, uh, I want to save every conversation I have with my daughter, uh, you know, for eternity. And, you know, because I want to be able to go back and look at it, et cetera. Some other conversations, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, I want it to be maybe with my general counsel at Google. <laughs> I want it to be private and, uh, you know, and we want to be able to do those things, and we can be smarter about it over time. So, uh, let's switch talk a little about Android. Um, so, you know, Android is phenomenally successful. It, I think Mary had a slide about this, it, but we uh, we didn't even need that slide. We know that uh, you uh, most of the smartphones in the world are Android, not just by a small amount, but by a large amount, um, but. I have observed that I saw some data just the other day, and this has been true, I think, for most years recently, uh, that you really only have one hardware partner in the entire world, who is, which is both global and prof uh, profitable, and uh, you know has the kind of budget to do the right kind of marketing and all that kind of stuff to go up against uh, Apple or whoever else might, might come along, and that's Samsung. Is that a good thing? Is that a healthy situation? I mean, you have hundreds of people using Android, but only one of them is profitable and global and... You know, um, you know I, I've always felt you know, a strong Samsung is important for Android. Uh, you know, I think they drive the high end of computing on the Android side. So I've always felt that's uh, actually very, very important to us. Uh, but Android is also, you know, it's a very open ecosystem. I, you know, the answer may not be, you know, a global one player answering it in every, every, every part of the world, right? And you, you've had great examples of many, many regional players in places like India and China, actually, and Indonesia, and I see this all the time, 
serve the needs of those markets very well. So we get it, but are they profitable? Because my that, understanding was they're not. I mean, in that context of, you know, there are people who are reinvesting profits and stuff, but there are OEMs in India, there are, you know, uh, you know uh, people, you know, Huawei in China, et cetera, who are profitable in their segments, right? And, but they are conglomerates, they, you know, they invest aggressively, they are doing things globally. But you know, Android is an enabler. Uh, I don't think it's uh, you know it's a it's an Android thing per se as much as you know globally. Uh, it's a very competitive uh, marketplace. You know, smartphone industry, hardware industry. It's a very efficient industry, right? And uh, you know, and even Amazon, which sells uh, devices, they base it on Android too. So you know, I, I look at it and say Android is a large-scale open, uh, you know, platform and an ecosystem. They're based on Android, but they don't use your services. That's right. But at the, as an Android open platform, they do do that, and we enable that as part of Android. You know, that's, that's what makes it possible. So, so uh, will you have next year a phone, at least, that is made by you? Where the whole thing is made by you? Uh, you know, we uh, you know we we today do it as Nexus devices. That's a plan. And eh, not made by you. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're not made by us. But you know, uh, you know, we we are investing uh, more effort into them, uh, and so you will see us put a lot more thought into our Nexus devices going forward, uh, because as you know, and and there are categories beyond phones which we are doing, like Google Home and Chromecast and so on. So I think we'll be opinionated where we need to be so that we push the category forward. Let me unpack that for a second. You're doing other things mm -hmm. that are yours. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you, maybe you contract, contract out the manufacturing, but it, you basically it's yours, both the hardware and the software. Uh, you're going to put more thought into the Nexus phones. It, what does that mean? I mean, what, uh, so two more thought, doesn't that just lead you to make them? Uh, it depends on. Or at uh, least one of them. So, for example, today when we ship Nexus phones, we just ship. Uh, stock Android on Nexus phones, right? Right. You know, you will see us actually, you know, thoughtfully add more features on top of Android on Nexus phones. So there's a lot of software innovation to be had, ah. uh, as as an example of it. Uh, you know, we could be more opinionated about the design of the phones, even though we are working with the OEM to do it. So those are all the kinds of evolutions you'll see. But you're not. Does that mean you're not going to make your own phones? Uh, no, not as a, you know, um, uh, you know. Our plan is still to work with OEMs to make phones. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I'm going to squeeze in one more question before we go to the, to the folks. So if you have questions, start lining up the mics. Um, China. Mm -hmm. um, I read somewhere recently that you said something about rethinking maybe being in China. What does that mean? Uh, you know, um, it's, a, it's a bit of a nuance today. You know, we are in China. We have employees there. Uh, we support advertisers. So there are many Chinese developers who work on Android. We provide advertising and so on. Uh, Google Search is not there in China, but you know, we have we've always been you know at least personally for me you know uh, I care about serving users globally in every corner. Uh, you know I've always thought Google is for everyone, and uh, that applies to China too. So where possible, we want to be in China serving Chinese users, and so. You know, we aspire to do that with things like Google Play, uh, where we can get our services working. For example, for advertisers, we do it today. Uh, you know, we provide analytics, we help them advertise uh, and reach users outside of China, and so on. So, you know, uh, we're we're being thoughtful about it, uh, but you know, definitely, I would like to see more of it. 
Do you, but do you imagine going back in, in their full blast with Google search, some negotiation with the government that would allow you to do that? You know, I think, uh, you, know, uh, you know, if you can do it in a right and thoughtful way, we are always open to it. And, uh, you know, so it, it depends on the situation. But, you know, we are definitely open to it. Okay. Yes, over here. Hey, Sundar, Mark Mahaney. I wanted to ask kind of a three to five year question. I know you focus primarily on the user experience and then monetization comes later, but you've got a number of very large assets that may be under monetized. And if you think about Google Play, Google Maps, which you just announced some new ad formats for in the last week, and YouTube, which one of those do you think is most under monetized today and what would be the strategy over the next three to five years to better monetize it? Um. You know, you know, video is such a profound shift, and I think video cuts through everything we do. Users uh, increasingly want information in the context of video, so I see it as a you know a paradigm shift. And so for me, you know, very bullish on YouTube long term. Uh, Maps is turning out to be you know, be it self-driving cars or you know just you know the, where all we are using maps today. Uh, I think you know the use cases continue to grow. Today, you know, a lot of our searches to Google are local in nature, right? You know, a big, you know, especially in the context of mobile, and Maps plays a huge role. So we we do we do think about it that way. But you know, we are open to trying out new things across Waze and Google Maps. We are beginning to uh, experiment with monetization, and you'll see us do more there. Stephen, hi, yeah. Sundar. Um, so messaging seems to be the ascendant paradigm in, in, in mobile now, and as we get more and more of these, you know, a lot of them you know, aren't open to communications unless both parties are, are on it and, and we're using them for bots for other communication. It seems to me that you know, in order to have something opened up, Android, with its huge market share, is like the one place that could help enable that. Instead, at I.O., you introduced a bunch of new messaging systems. We couldn't we have difficulty even figuring out where Google is on its multiple messaging systems. Can you tell us how you think about messaging and, you know, and the question of eventual interoperability and, and ways to make it uh, clearer and easier for people to use? No, it's a, it's a very, very good question. You know, at a platform level, at an Android level, um, you know, for, for, we call it RCS, and it's an evolution of SMS. Uh, you know, so we are working with carriers to evolve the platform so that you have an interoperable messaging standard, right? And uh, we would love to support it, and we do that. But it's not a Google service. It's an open platform level thing. And so we are careful about distinguishing between what we build as a Google service and what we build in the Android platform. I would love to see messaging services be more interoperable. Uh, you, know, I, you know, I think I would love to see users on iOS be able to message users on Android and vice versa. I think it benefits both of us. So these are all, I think, you know, hopefully we, we as an industry head in, head in that direction, and so maybe uh, you know, I'm, I'm making an ask here. So, you know, to the extent, you know, uh, uh, you know, the big companies can work together. I think it's good for everyone. Uh, so I would like to see more of that too. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I wanted to talk about YouTube, actually. Um, 
I'm, I work at CNBC, media, digital media right now, video is everything, it's exploding. And you have sort of at the high end, you have Amazon and Netflix, and on the other side you have Facebook and you have Snapchat exploding and media companies sort of throwing themselves at those platforms. I feel like YouTube has maybe lost a little momentum or buzz in that regard. Um, so I'm curious, how, do you, how, how personally interested are you in YouTube versus AI and bots and Android and all these other things you have on your plate? And, what do you see as the future for YouTube? And, and do you think maybe this should be something that's broken out in Alphabet and is as a standalone as opposed to being part of Google? Uh, you, know, uh, you know, we see YouTube very much as part of Google. Uh, you know, as I said, the, the transition to video cuts across everything we do. We, you know, we don't feel any loss of momentum. Our numbers are uh, exceptionally strong. And we are doing it across all ends of spectrum. So for YouTube, you know, we are seeing tremendous growth in terms of how users are engaging it, and we are working hard to connect users and creators in better and better ways. So, you know, just, just a few weeks ago in YouTube, we started, you know, we launched native sharing and, you know, native commenting so that artists can engage with users. We are focused on premium content. You know, we are creating our own shows. We'll probably have, through the course of this year, maybe 20 original shows, uh, uh, you know, uh, produced for YouTube. We give it through YouTube Red. So we are investing a lot in YouTube, and uh, you know, and we will apply machine learning and AI in the context of YouTube as well. It's going to be to Mark's earlier question. You know, I see YouTube as a big future growth engine for uh, Google as a whole, and so you know, it's a very, very key area for us. Yes. Hi, I'm Rosa. I would like to ask you two questions. Uh, first is, what does the Java and Sun result means for the Android ecosystem? And the other question is related also to nearly YouTube is uh, during IO we discovered Daydream. So what can we expect in that platform and if you're going to fight to, with Oculus or just an evolution of cardboard? Thank you. Uh, on, on the first one, look, I think Google would have been you know, fine in all circumstances, but I think it was a huge, hugely important victory for open source software for many people in this room and in the you know, people, people who rely on you know, open source software and want to use APIs freely. So, you know, I take it as a uh, important victory for that. And, you know, I'm glad, uh, glad it worked out that way. Uh, and so I think it has a lot of implications. And, uh, you know, I think it, it was an important ruling. Uh, on, on Daydream, you know, just like, you know, Daydream to us is building an ecosystem, again, to enable many, many people around the world uh, to build, build VR well. And to do VR well, you need to build great hardware, you need a great operating system, you need apps and services, you need to be able to think about headsets, controllers, and so on. So just like we did with Android in its early days, for us Daydream is an end-to-end way by which we think about how do we create a big ecosystem around uh, VR. And, uh, you know, and these things take time to, time to do, and so we are thoughtfully and slowly building it step-by-step. Uh, step. Okay, last question, Don Graham. I'm a Google shareholder, but a nervous one. And the thing that makes me nervous is the European Union. IBM and Microsoft were fundamentally changed by US antitrust suits. How can you resolve the EU's complaints without fundamentally changing the direction of Google, Google's business? You know, uh, we, you know we, we are engaging thoughtfully with them. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, I think, you know, I think you know, there are many areas in which they have important questions. We view it as a thoughtful process. That's how we have seen it. Uh, you know, it plays out sensationally in the press, but, you know, uh, they are looking at it thoughtfully. Uh, we are responding thoughtfully. And I think I'm, I'm comfortable that the framework will allow for us to work it out through. 
Now, at the end of the day, uh, part of the reason we are in this position, it's a position you know, we feel fortunate to be in. You know, we are very, very popular, and users use us a lot. And uh, you know, that's the context in which all these questions get asked. And I think you know, these are fair questions. And you know, uh, the process is thoughtful as far as you know, personally I'm engaged on it. And you know, I think most of the company is not uh, consumed by it. And I think maybe that's the difference. We don't approach it that way. Uh, you know, we, don't, we don't want the whole management team and the company to think about it. But we have a set of thoughtful, thoughtful people working uh, you know, uh, with them, and I think the right, right outcomes will emerge. Well, Sundar, thank you so much. All right, thanks, Walt. Thank you.